Hello everybody. Welcome to the 62nd episode of Snippets. I'm Dr. Bhavani Johari, postgraduate in Shankar Netralaya Chennai, and I'm here to demystify the enigma of intermediate uveitis. At the outset, I would like to thank Meenakshi ma'am for this opportunity and Pathopratham sir for all the guidance. Suppose a 30-year-old patient walks into your OPD with complaints of floaters and blurred vision in both eyes. On slit lamp, you do not find any significant ciliary congestion, but on fundus evaluation, you notice yellowish-white exudates in vitreous, mostly in inferior part of the fundus. This, my friends, is the hallmark of intermediate uveitis and is popularly known as snowballs. Intermediate uveitis was first described as early as in 1908 by Fuchs as a chronic cyclitis. Shippens came up with the term peripheral uveitis in 1950. Welch and his colleagues described it as sparse planitis in 1960 and Gas gave the term vitreitis in 1968. Finally, the term intermediate uveitis was introduced in 1987 by the International Uveitis Study Group defining it based on its anatomical location. It refers to inflammation of the anterior vitreous ciliary body and peripheral retina. but confusion regarding the use of various terms and grading systems in uveitis still persisted in an attempt to resolve this confusion the standardization of uveitis nomenclature in 2005 came up with a modified definition of intermediate uveitis today we define it as uveitis where vitreous is the primary site of inflammation and comprises of pars planitis posterior cyclitis and hyalitis Suppose we come across a patient with intermediate uveitis in whom absolutely no systemic association is found. This according to the SUN classification will be labeled as pars planitis. Now let us take a look at the epidemiology and etiology of intermediate uveitis. Intermediate uveitis is a rare entity presenting in 9.5 to 17.4% of all uveitis patients in India. No significant association between gender and race with the incidence of intermediate uveitis has been found. The cause ranges from infectious to autoimmune to idiopathic. In a country like India, tuberculosis and sarcoidosis are often associated, and it becomes absolutely imperative to rule out these two before considering other causes. Multiple sclerosis is also one of the common causes. patients would present with pins and needles sensation tingling and numbness in their extremities hence it is extremely essential that we take a thorough history along with a complete ocular and systemic examination to arrive at the correct diagnosis the major clinical clue like i mentioned before is the appearance of snowballs which if not treated gradually leads to the formation of a snow bank over the pars plana The snowbank is nothing but a plaque made up of coalesced aggregates and can be found even in the entire circumference of the retinal periphery. It represents severe form of the disease. The iris is not as frequently involved as an in anterior uveitis, but when it is, we may find peripheral anterior synechiae or posterior synechiae. Complications of this disease include the development of cataract, mostly posterior subcapsular cataract. subluxation of the lens vitreous hemorrhage tractional retinal detachment 
cystoid macular edema and optic disc edema. Intermediate uveitis cannot be diagnosed by one single investigation. On the other hand, there is no point in carrying out a battery of investigations since this is mostly a clinical diagnosis. Hence, it would be prudent to tailor our lab investigations. Our choices should always be guided by meticulous history taking and clinical examination. Complete blood count, differential leukocyte count and erythrocyte sedimentation rate gives us a baseline. An elevated leukocyte count points towards a possible infectious etiology and an elevated ESR indicates an underlying systemic disease. Another commonly performed test in India is the MANTU test, which helps detect exposure to mycobacterium tuberculosis. For diagnosis of diseases like syphilis, toxocariasis and Lyme disease, serological testing is available now. The treponema pallidum hemagglutination test is a highly specific test for syphilis. Another commonly performed test is the venereal disease research lab test. If we are suspecting sarcoidosis, we usually send for serum angiotensin converting enzyme, lysozyme and calcium levels testing, which are found to be elevated if positive. Sarcoidosis often causes a deranged liver function test. The best way, however, to diagnose sarcoidosis is through a tissue biopsy. Now let us take a look at how certain radiological investigations have proven to be useful in diagnosing the cause of intermediate uveitis. For example, in tuberculosis, a chest x-ray or a high-resolution computed tomography chest will show features suggestive of a tuberculous etiology such as fibrosis, opacities, gone complex or lymphadenopathy. Even in sarcoidosis, these investigations are extremely useful, showing hyalur lymphadenopathy and interstitial lung disease. Another famous radiological investigation is the MRI, which is useful in cases of multiple sclerosis, where we can pick up white matter lesions easily. Apart from these radiological investigations, a few ancillary ocular investigations to keep in mind are fundus fluorescein angiography, optical coherence tomography, ultrasound biomicroscopy and B-scan. FFA is very useful in determining the extent of ischemia and neovascularization, retinal vasculitis and cystoid macular edema. OCT also helps in picking up CME, epiretinal membranes and vitreomacular traction. We usually send for a UBM and B-scan to evaluate the fundus if there is no view on indirect ophthalmoscopy due to a dense cataract. Now that we know how a patient of intermediate uveitis presents and how to arrive at the right diagnosis, let me give you an overview of how to manage such a case. In 1984, Kaplan suggested a stepwise approach which started with periocular corticosteroid injections followed by oral prednisolone. This was followed by cryotherapy or laser photocoagulation. If this does not suffice, a pars plana vitrectomy was undertaken and lastly, patient was put on immunosuppressive treatment. Foster modified Kaplan's approach and this came to be known as the modified Kaplan's approach. In this approach also, periocular corticosteroids, maximum up to 3 injections, is the first line, followed by systemic non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. If this does not work, systemic corticosteroids can be given for less than or equal to 3 months. This is followed by cryotherapy or laser photocoagulation. And lastly, pars plana vitrectomy 
or immunosuppressive treatment can be started. One commonly used immunomodulator is methotrexate and a complete evaluation by a physician is required before initiating treatment. Also, while on treatment, it is essential to monitor blood counts and liver function tests since it can cause hepatotoxicity and leukopenia. To summarize the sure short way to demystify the enigma of intermediate uveitis is to take a comprehensive history, perform a thorough ophthalmic examination and carry out only relevant investigations. Thank you all for your attention. Do subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more.